Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is indeed 1.36 on a game day in Edmonton. Edmonton and the Winnipeg Jets. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Want to tell you, Royal Pizza, pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Everything's real at Royal. No synthetic food. It's all real stuff. It's old school, big boy pizza. Stoffer recommendation, Mediterranean chicken. All right. Uh, the Oilers losing the other night to the Winnipeg Jets. And the two goals they got uh, that were scored on Mike Smith were by guys that we didn't even think were going to be in the lineup. As Tucker Pullman uh, banged home a rebound and then Dominic Toninato deflected one home. And so it made me start to think, you know, of some guys that were maybe unheralded goal scorers or surprise goal scorers. And as a kid growing up, I was a huge fan of the Montreal Canadiens before the Oilers joined the NHL. And uh, our next guest scored a stunning overtime winner for the Canadiens. He later played for the Edmonton Oilers uh, and has a uh, incredible connection to one of the most legendary wrestlers of all time. We used to often see him when we used to do events Remember when we did events before uh, the pandemic? We welcome back to the show former Edmonton Oilers Stanley Cup champion, Cam Connor. Hi, Cam. How are you doing? Hi, Bob. Doing very well, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, because it's Montreal and Toronto in the playoffs for like the first time since, oh, wait, since the first time you played them back in 78, 79, did you get any action? Did you have any surprise calls come your way over the course of the last couple of weeks of people reliving your infamous overtime goal for the Canadians? Well, I probably had uh, seven interviews in the last two days, and I had another one from uh, somebody out of Montreal that did somebody's podcast today that works with one of the sports channels. So, you know, it's 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 nice to live in the past. And every time I talk about my lucky goal, I I always wish that it was a slap shot top corner. But it wasn't. Tell us the but, truth. Did, did, did you actually fan on the shot? 
Well, I'll try to make it short. I mean, yes, I, it wasn't a – well, sort of it was. But I, I just – I watched Paul Matier. I didn't play the first period, second period, third period, first overtime. That was my only shift to the game, unfortunately. <laughs> and I had uh, watched Paul Matier in net, and he's just a little goalie, and little goalies um, have to be very agile. And every time someone hit the top of the circle and was going to let a shot go, he, as soon as you put your head down and look at the puck, puck, he'd charge out of the net to cut the angle down and you'd shoot right in his pads. He did this consistently. So I told myself, if I ever get a chance, I'm going to come in, fake that shot, and curl around and I should, by theory, have an empty net. And so I went from my backhand to my forehand, and in between the backhand and my forehand, the puck went off my stick. Palmatier was moving to try to come with me. He opened his legs, he took his stick off the ice, and it went through his legs, and I scored a goal. There you go. Cam Connor joining us. Now, Cam, for the old school guys listening to the show right now, and uh, and ladies, uh, they remember you were a real good player in the WHA. Like the Houston Arrows were a powerhouse. Uh, you know, obviously they had, you know, Gordy Howe and Mark Howe. And, uh, you started off in Phoenix uh, after playing uh, for Flin Flon and the old dub, what was then uh, the WCHL. So we kind of knew a little bit about you. You go to the Montreal Canadiens during the course of the 78-79 season. What was it like? With all due respect to Gordy and Mark, what was it like to you know play for Scotty Bowman and join a team that had I don't know how many Hall of Famers that ended up at least six or seven Hall of you know Gila Fleur uh, Hall of Famer. I think obviously. it was ten, 10 Hall of Famers. Ten. Somebody on the network told me yesterday ten. ten. Ten Hall of Famers on that team. How wild was it to join that uh, squad at that time? You know what? It was it was an honor, and I knew what I was walking into um, when I said I'd go to the Canadians instead of Winnipeg Jets of uh, the WHA. And you know, because that team had won three Stanley Cups in a row, they only lost one hockey player when I joined them, and uh, that was a forward. But they added Mark Napier, Pat Hughes, myself, and Rod Langway. Wow. And so, you know what? I mean, this team had won three cups in a row. So, you know, try breaking in the lineup. Um, I, Scotty, you know, for me, the best kind of coach I could get is somebody that gives me positive reinforcement. <laughs> Scotty, well, that's just God's truth. Scotty Bowman was a very negative coach. He just <laughs> always yelled at the players. And, and the yeah, guy yeah. told me that's what Scotty does. Yeah. But, you know what? I never played very good hockey in Montreal. I didn't represent myself the way I could have. And um, But, you know, I wasn't getting a lot of ice time. But I also knew I was on an extremely, extremely tough team. And in my mind, I'd put in the time, not complain. And as the year goes on, the next year, year two, I'd start getting some ice time. So I did my best, um, but I didn't play with confidence. And I certainly didn't represent myself very well. I just remember the reaction of the players and how happy they were when you scored that overtime winner for the Canadians as a sort of an unheralded guy. Everybody, I did not realize you hadn't had a shift. Uh, <laughs> that was your first shift of the game. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I got, like, Gila Fleur was one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, and we've talked about this privately before. Cam, what kind of guy was he? Gila Fleur, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate. I've played with Phyllis Mazzato, as you mentioned, Gordie Howe. Gretzky, Messier, 
and all the great Canadians. And those upper-tier players, what separates them, uh, in my mind, you know, whether, like, what I think about them is how humble those guys are. And Lafleur was no different. Everything he's accomplished from junior hockey on, he would never, ever, ever brag about himself. He would never talk about himself. He wouldn't really even talk hockey. Um, and he treated everybody with respect. And so often you can see in life, and I even noticed it more when I got out of the hockey world into the 9-to-5 life, how, you know, people that, like if I was to judge somebody, it's how they treat people that can't do anything for you. And, you know, we can see everybody being nice to the guy that can do something for you. But to me, I judge somebody by how they are with people that can't do anything for you. And Guy was anybody. didn't matter who it was, a fan who wanted an autograph. Somebody opened the door for him. He was always hum- humble and grateful. And, and I learned a lot from those Montreal Canadian guys because every single player was the same way. You you know, it's like being Gretzky. He goes out in Edmonton or some of the other more popular Oilers. They're recognized everywhere they go. People come up, interrupt their supper and so on. Same with all the Montreal Canadiens and all those guys knew it was a privilege to be recognized and to ask have people ask you for autographs. So they were... Tremendous role models for me, these guys. Now, educate. The floor was great. All right. Uh, educate us here. We're joined by Cam Connor, scored a huge, uh, stunning goal for the Canadians in the 78 79 series, the last time Montreal played Toronto. Did you get your name on the cup or did they change the rule? Or I- I'm trying to recall what happened there, Cam. You know, I did. I had no idea till probably 25 years later that there was some controversy about that. My name was on the cup, I knew nothing more about it. And then I found out what had happened is, like, I played 23 regular season games, and then um, I didn't play the first two games of the playoffs against the Leafs, but after I scored that overtime goal, I got a regular shift um, against uh, the, the Leafs in game four, and then we took on Boston Bruins, and I got a regular shift against the Bruins, and then I got food poisoning, and I missed part of the end of the series and all of the final series against the New York Rangers. And the rule was that if you didn't play a certain amount of games for your team during the regular season, um, and you didn't play in that last Stanley Cup series, your name wouldn't go on the cup. I didn't know this. And so I found out later that they were not going to put my name on the cup, nor Yvonne Cornway's. And we all know what a legend Yvonne was, but he had back surgery beginning of the season, so he was out the whole year. So what had happened was Doug Riseborough, Bob Ganey, and Ken Dryden were our players' representatives. And again, I found this out many years later, that uh, the league told them, okay, these are names going on the Stanley Cup, and these two aren't. And they said, whoa, wait a second here. You know, like, you know, you and I talked about before, I played on that team all year, didn't go to the farm team, made every road trip, every practice. Um, And so I was part of that team, and I didn't think otherwise. And so, you know, the other guys, they thought I was part of that team. So what they said was, if you don't put Cam Connor's name on the Stanley Cup and you don't put Yvonne Cornway's, then you do not have permission 
to put our names, the rest of the team's names on the Stanley Cup. You just put down the 78, 78, 79 Montreal Canadiens. And so um, the league thought about it. Then they said, well, we'll make an exception this year. And so the name was, uh, both our names were put on the Stanley Cup because of the guys that stood up for their teammates. And, uh, you know, when you talked about how happy the guys were when I scored the goal, I felt that love myself. I, I was extremely happy that I scored. It made me feel good that I could contribute. But those guys, they were hugging me, you know, on and off the ice and patting me on the back, making me feel like a million dollars. And I believe, you know, during the season, I never complained once that I wasn't getting enough ice time. And I had reporters asking me, well, Cam, you were number five in the NHL draft. You know, you proved yourself in the WHA. You need to be getting some ice time. What do you think? I, I did not say anything negative whatsoever. I just said, my chance will come. My chance will come. And Steve Shutt had told me that most of the Canadians, when you first get there, don't expect a regular shift. He said, you, you're, they make you hungry so that when you do get a regular shift, you're not coming out of that lineup. You're so happy to be playing. And so because I didn't complain and I was a... Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I believe in my mind, a good teammate. They were so happy for me when my 15 minutes of fame came. All right, uh, but you have had brush with greatness before. We've only got about four minutes left, Cam, uh, but tell the listeners how you first met Rowdy, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, who went on to become uh, one of your best friends. It goes back to, like, uh, you know, 15, 16 years old. And uh, Ron and I, our lockers were right next to each other in high school, but we didn't talk to each other. And then one day there was a knock at my back door in Winnipeg, and there was a couple of buddies of mine, and they just said to me, hey, Cam, and this is a true story. He said, they said to me, well, you're a pretty tough guy, and this new guy, Rod here, and Rod's name is Rod Toombs, he said, he's a pretty tough guy. Why don't you guys have a fight? And I said, Okay. So we walked out, Rod and I, into my garage, closed the door, just the two of us, and we went at it. And I could tell this guy had fought before, and I said, I'm going to have to knock him out if I'm going to beat him. So I, my hands were pretty fast. I threw a left at him, and he just moved his head, and my arm sailed past him, and I tore my tricep muscle. Um, it's just like a, a rubber yeah. band. It just snapped. 
And so he came back and he hooked me and he knocked me. I had a 650 Triumph in my garage motorcycle. And just like the movies, he hit me so hard. I flew backwards and I flipped over my motorcycle. And then uh, that pecking order was established. <laughs> Did you know then that he'd go on to become like a huge international star in professional wrestling? You know what I liked about Rod? Um, we each had a few problems growing up, and uh, we just kind of always took chances, the two of us. we dare each other to do things, and we just all of a sudden hit it off, and we just hung around like our whole lives. When I was in New York with the Rangers, he'd come over, and there'd be Andre the Giant and the Hart Brothers, and we'd go to the bars, and he was always part of my life. Did I know he was? I knew he'd be something good because Rod could always talk. Like he always could talk, and I always said it. He could talk a bird out of a tree. Ever since we were in grade ten, he was unbelievable. I knew that, in my opinion, and truthfully, there was a calling out there for him. Was he going to make it in wrestling? I knew that's what his goal was, and uh, he 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 wasn't going to be stopped. So he traveled all over the states, all over Canada, making no money at all. And uh, you know he made it. I remember in Phoenix, he come to visit me. I had money. I said, "Hey, let me give you some money." He wouldn't take a nickel off me. And then today, you know, he's made millions. He made millions, and uh, was so generous. And uh, he always trusted me, and I always trusted him. And uh, we were together two weeks before he died, and uh, he, he was a great influence in my life, that man. We're talking to Cam Connor. Cam, you mentioned uh, going for a few pops. Andre the Giant's drinking ability, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's legendary. Uh, and, I, I, look, I know you played with a lot of great guys who shall remain nameless, but it must have been a lot of fun going out with se- uh, for a couple seven-ups with those guys back in the day. You know, Bob, I have a, a lot of stories that I remember over the years from, you know, playing hockey and otherwise. Yeah. When I was out with those wrestlers, we are in the bar. It was like going out with a bunch of cavemen in, in a good way. Like, it was hilarious. The stories that they were telling me, I didn't say one word. I listened and laughed and laughed and laughed. Like, they're just a different breed, those wrestlers. Back in those days, I can't speak about now. But they were so much fun, and yep, they could. Andre, the food he put down, his his hands were so big that he have a large, large glass, and I sat next to him on the bar stool. I couldn't even see the glass behind his hand; it was so big, and each finger was. I'm looking at his fingers; they're the size of dill pickles. Like he was massive, that guy. Just and each teeth was the size of one of his tooth was the size of two of somebody else's. Like it was, it was just a really an experience being with those wrestlers. It was fun. It was fun. Cam, uh, we'll do we'll do a longer format uh, interview maybe during the course of the summer. Enjoy the playoffs. Thanks for joining us here in Oilers. Now, my pleasure, Bob. Good luck, Oilers. There you go. Former Edmonton Oiler. He played with them in their inaugural season in the NHL 1979-80. Won a Stanley Cup with the Canadians in 78-79. Scored an overtime goal. I believe it was Game 3 in Toronto. Last time the Maple Leafs and the Canadians played in the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right. Uh, to this day in Oilers history, it is brought to you daily by Dennis and Jason Laliberti and the team at New West Travel. And here is Brendan Escott.
Yeah, in 2006, the Oilers get goals from Chris Pronger and Fernando Pisani before Mike Pekka added the empty netter, pushing the Oilers past the Anaheim Ducks 3-1 in Game 2 of the Western Conference Final. Pekka and Pisani each finished with a goal and an assist while Dwayne Rolison turned aside 33 of 34 shots. Uh, the Oilers just right around that time developed a little bit of sickness with the team but got through it uh, through that Anaheim series. Some quick thoughts here on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, Dan says, Bob, this is the best interview I've heard in years. Absolutely riveting involving Cam Connor. Uh, Gord says, what a great friggin' interview. Loved it. Great job, guys. Stacy, what a wonderful interview with Cam Connor. You could hear the humility uh, with us, uh, certainly through the course of that interview. Uh, we'll see what happens today. we got a lot going on this weekend on 630 Chad. We will tell you this. Face-off show, Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Jack Michaels, Cam Moon, myself, 5 o'clock, puck drop, 7 o'clock. Then game three from Bell MTS Place. 3.30 face-off show, 5.30 puck drop. We'll have a live show of Oilers now on Monday and then a full pre-game show on the holiday Monday. Have a terrific weekend, everybody. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, and then the 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jay Lynn and I. I'll rejoin you uh, today at 5 o'clock. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chet.